Well, as most of us have probably figured out, some of the most important things in life don't come easy. Have you ever noticed that? Some of the most important things in life just don't come easy. And sometimes our hearts just aren't always in it, even though the rewards might be great, not only for yourself, but for others. I mean, basic things, like, like learning to read and to write. I mean, just think of the benefits of those basic skills, not only to ourselves, but think of how one person's ability to read and to write can enrich the lives of others, from reading Bible stories to children, uh, to penning the 270 words uh, of, of Abraham Lincoln in the Gettysburg Address. Or take the practice of medicine. Right? Think of the years, even the decades or more of schooling and the grueling hours of lab work and on-the-job training. And even once you get to call yourself a doctor of medicine, they still call it practice. And the benefits, once again, are astounding. You know, one of the loves of my life is music, an area of human endeavor that proves the rule, anything we're doing is worth doing poorly. Because that's where everybody starts, right? From, from the piano to the oboe, uh, uh, that's where we all begin. Now, I didn't start to play the guitar until I was a junior in high school. I was already playing the piano. I was already in the jazz band and the pep band and in the marching band on the drums. But a friend and I had talked about playing the guitar for a couple years. And nothing happened until we finally did something. We actually bought guitars, and then we paid for group lessons. Funny thing, how putting money on the line makes a difference. We showed up. We practiced, and it was painful. You may not know this, but it's painful. Singing is different. It's only potentially painful to the people around you. But guitar, it takes weeks to develop calluses on your fingertips before the pain subsides. Literally weeks. And it takes months and months to train those fingers to jump and land where you want them to go. But before too long, you master two, three, four or more chords and the list of songs you can play just multiplies. From Peter, Paul and Mary to Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, the list just grows and grows. It's awesome. Some of the most important, enriching things in life don't come easy. Now, one of the most important dimensions uh, of all in life is, in fact, giving. And from the time we're toddlers, we know and experience that it, is, it doesn't come easy or naturally. We bump into those words like mine, right? And we still struggle with those words when we get older. Giving doesn't always come easy. But giving is one of the most beautiful, enriching blessings of life. And let's just run through the foundation of giving from our Christian and biblical perspective. All giving begins with God and God's love for us. God gave us the world. And everything we are and everything we have is from God. And it still belongs to God. 
We are simply temporary trustees. The biblical word is stewards. We are stewards of God. As Robert Hastings summarized so simply and so well, stewardship is the management of life and all its resources for God and for the good of all. Now, not only did God give us life and entrust this world and its resources into our care, God loved us so much, He gave His only Son who won our salvation on the cross. And the presence and power of new life here and now through the gift of His Spirit. It's awesome. We're not all just stewards of the gifts and resources of this, of this world. We are also stewards of the manifold grace of God, right? of the good news of God's forgiveness and grace, God's friendship and acceptance through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, God wants us to take joy and delight in the good and in the grace that God has given us. And God also wants us to be good stewards of all we have received. Now, a vital dimension of stewardship is giving. Giving to God. Returning a portion of all God has given to God from our time to our talents to our treasures. First of all, we explored giving to God as an act of worship. We give because God is worthy. Right? Right, worthy of our adoration and praise, worthy of our gratitude and devotion. Giving reflects our loyalty and allegiance, our trust and our confidence in God. Giving to God is also an expression of our faith. Giving is a practical way to express our trust and love for God. And so we invest our resources, our time, our talents and our treasures in the things that matter to God. Caring for others. Reaching out to those in need. Sharing the good news of God's love and grace through faith in Christ as we connect and build relationships with others. Today, we're going to explore another dimension of giving. Giving as a discipline, a practice. And we're going to discover that giving as a discipline can actually foster and encourage our spiritual growth. In Scripture, there are occasions when giving to God is flat-out spontaneous and unplanned, right? It's just an outburst of gratitude or joy. But giving from a biblical perspective is not simply to be haphazard or just based on a whim or, or a sudden inspiration. It's to be built into our lives as an ongoing practice, a discipline that inspires and instills us to grow from the inside out, First of all, giving can free and grow our hearts for God. If you got a scripture with you, we're going to flip open to Luke chapter 12 and take a look at a couple of passages from Jesus' teaching there. It's uh, Luke's Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew, it's the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke, it's the Sermon on the Plain. So, uh, we're going to begin in Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 22. Some of these words are going to ring familiar, but Luke puts a unique twist on how he uh, renders Jesus' teachings. From Luke chapter 12, the big print. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. 
what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will God clothe you? You have little faith. So don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. The pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek God's kingdom. Seek the reign of God in your life, and these things will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So, Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that won't wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For Jesus, who loves us deeply, um, it's important to talk about our stuff, our money, our possessions, because he cares for us. He didn't offer this teaching because he was leading a fundraising campaign. He offered these words because he cares about us and he knows what happens in our hearts and in our minds when we take our eyes off God and focus our lives on this side of heaven exclusively he knows that giving is a matter of heart and mind and he knows that the stuff that God places in our hands can lead to us being burdened by worry bound up by attachments paralyzed with fear and it's so sad because money and possessions are not evil they're good things very good things and if you read the scriptures carefully, you will see that Jesus loves the rich no less than Jesus loves the poor. He included them in the circle of his closest friends and followers. He teaches because he cares. The problem isn't that the money and possessions God makes possible for us to steward. The problem is when they become the love and the object of our lives. First Timothy chapter six, begin verse six. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. Right? The love of money and stuff is is a life of never enough. Right? It's it's not just the cup half empty, it's the cup with a hole in it. The cup of life never satisfied, always wanting, always yearning for more. And that approach to life literally shrinks our hearts and shrinks our lives to matters, you know, on this side of heaven. Jesus wants to expand our hearts, wants to expand our vision, wants to expand our lives. 
And so he encourages us to take practical action. And isn't it interesting? What's the practice he encourages us to take up? It's giving. You know, taking some of our possessions and translating them into help for those in need. Right? Giving can grow our hearts both for God and for others. It can kindle and inspire not only spiritual growth in us, but things like gratitude and praise, thanksgiving and hope in the lives of others. We can go from people burdened by worry, bound by this world, fearful of our future, to people full of faith, free to enjoy the goods of this world, and unafraid for ourselves, ready to share what we have for God and for the good of others. Now notice Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We often reverse that. We will often say, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. What you care about is where your treasure will go. Notice Jesus says the opposite. Something very interesting. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Now, ponder that just a moment. Jesus is saying that we can literally train and direct our hearts by putting our treasure and investing our treasure in good things and in good places. It can change the way we feel, the way we think, the way we act. Let me give you a story um, from uh, the world of health. Um, One of uh, the most interesting characters I ever met in my life was uh, the football coach at Pacific Lutheran University. His name was Frosty Westring. He made it into the uh, college uh, hall of fame uh, for coaches of of colleges uh, of that size. And and he always had these quaint sayings like, life by the yard is hard, life by the inch is a cinch. Well, he told the story one day in chapel of arriving one fall um, and uh, going out to, uh, uh, to the football field and he saw a colleague and a friend from PLU uh, uh, and, and what surprised him is he, he'd never seen the guy in jogging pants and a jogging shirt ever before in his life and the guy was just hunched over huffing and puffing and he said what is going on and he said oh man Frosty it's just terrible um, I, I started getting pains in places you don't want to get pains. And I went to my doctor, and he just flat out looked at me and said, Man, if you don't start exercising, eat, eating better, and, and losing some weight, um, you're not going to see as many birthdays as you're hoping to see. And he said, So here I am, first day. And he was out by the golf course near, right next to PLU, and it's lined with trees. And he thought he would jog the golf course that first day. And he just looked up at Frosty and just hang dog face and said, I couldn't even make it to the first tree. I couldn't even make it to the first tree. And Frosty said, man, take your eyes off the golf course. Put your eyes on that first tree. That's the prize this week. Get into that first tree and back. That's the prize. Guy said, man, I have hated exercise all my life. I just don't know if I can do it. Frosty said, you just take that first tree and let me know when you do. And he did, like a couple days later. I made it. I ran all the way to the first tree and back. And Frosty said, now go for tree number two. Well, like a couple months later, Frosty bumps into the guy in the cafeteria at the salad bar. This guy hadn't seen anything but In-N-Out Burger, you know, all his life. Frosty said, how's it going? How, how are the trees doing? He said, I'm not doing trees, Frosty. 
undoing the golf course. And not once, but twice. Right? He put his treasure, right, in a good place. The treasure of his life, literally his breath and heartbeats, his health. He put his treasure in a good place, exercising. And even though his heart wasn't in it, he knew it was important. He knew he had to do it. And he became a human being who loved to run. And there were benefits. His health, his outlook, his well-being. It changed the way he walked. It changed the way he ate. And it gave him fresh hope for life. Awesome. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus invites us to take our resources and put them in good places, in God-inspired places, in places that will benefit God's work in this world. And guess what? Our hearts will follow. And we will grow. And we will be blessed. And that brings us to uh, point number two. First point, giving can free and grow our hearts for God. Second point, giving is like farming. The more you sow, the more God can grow. That's what happens. The more God can grow. Now we're going to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Great little piece. Again, I'm reading the big print. Remember this, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have scattered abroad their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Here's what's happening. There's a famine uh, in in Judea. And Paul is going to the churches that God has helped him, you know, give uh, birth to. And he's saying, if you've got some resources, let's, let's collect those resources to help our sisters and brothers in Judea. So he's saying, you, you know, sow the seed, sow it generously. We're going to deliver it. And now listen what happens. It's going to result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, people will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else and in their prayers for you their hearts will go out to you and because of the surpassing grace God has given you thanks be to God for his indescribable gift and what's that gift it's the opportunity to be vessels of God's grace for the sake of others now notice there are tremendous benefits for ourselves right In all things, at all times, God will supply our every need. You know, Jesus gives some powerful promises 
When we give for God, when we live for God, he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, what will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And again, Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. There are tremendous benefits to ourselves. I mean, just the gift of knowing we're giving for God. The gift of knowing that our giving can benefit and enrich the lives of others. And that brings us to the other point. It's not just for ourselves. Our generosity, our giving, when we build it into our lives, when we make it a practice, it overflows and multiplies blessings for God and for others. Look at that. Needs get met. The hungry are fed. The naked are clothed. But also, hearts and lives are changed. Right? Hearts are filled with thanksgiving and joy and praise to God and maybe fresh faith and hope that Christ truly is a mighty Savior. Now, here's the thing. Giving is like farming. The more you sow, the more God can grow. My, um, uh, 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 my grandpa owned a dairy farm. And, and when I was little, we used to visit the dairy farm in Minnesota. And we learned a very important lesson. Dairy cows will never stop giving milk until when? Until you stop milking them. If you don't ensure that they give milk every day, the udder shrinks up and the milk stops. The same thing can happen with our hearts. If we don't exercise our heart, Right? Through lives of generosity and joy. If we don't build giving into our lives, our hearts can literally shrivel and shrink. God wants our hearts to be free and to expand. And it will multiply blessings not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. I had a, a, a dear friend at a church I, um, I once served. His name was Greg. And, and Greg was this amazing entrepreneur and venture capitalist. Do you know what those people are? They're people who have financial resources who find companies to invest in. And Greg was one of those hands-on guys. He loved to find little companies that might be struggling and, and then take them on and then watch them thrive and grow by infusing them with fresh investment and vision. I mean, that was his gift. And the latest project was like he found this company in Beaverton, had like five employees, and within just a couple of years, he'd grown the business to like 25 employees. Now, as you can imagine, Greg is this cool guy, full of energy and, and fun to be around and, and a visionary, you know. And so he constantly being sought out to serve on this committee or to, to head this project, but he always had to say no. And I love to go out and meet people, and I sat down with him one day, and I just asked him about his business, and man, it was the joy of his life. Uh, and, 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 he, and he said, Bob, there's nothing sweeter than watching a company grow and, and being able to give people jobs and, 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 to, and to see people prosper. And, and, he, and he even would say things like, you know, Bob, money's like manure. If you, if you spread it around on good soil... It grows and it blesses others. And, and then I, I talked to him about, well, you know, Greg, we would love to see you invest some of that energy, you know, here in the church and ministries of the church. And man, he just got this guilty look and he said, Bob, you know, I'm just tapped out in the time thing. You know, uh, I, I just, I'm just tapped out. And I said, well, here's what I'm thinking. You know, it's not just time and talents, there's treasure too. 
You know, he had said he and his wife were enjoying greater prosperity than he ever imagined. I said, okay, you're tapped out in the time and talent thing. God has you right where God needs you. How about investing some of your treasure? Because there are people with loads of time and talent, but maybe short on treasure. And he just like, his eyes lit up and he goes, man, you're right. And he goes, okay, you bring me a list. And I said, well, don't start with a list. Just start growing your giving and just see what happens. And no kidding. It's just like the guilt bubble was burst. And he was set free to see that his life and his gifts in the marketplace could also be a blessing to the mission place. Final point. Giving can not only grow our hearts, giving can not only multiply the blessings, but today, through giving, don't be fooled. Be rich toward God. And we're going to jump back to Luke chapter 12. Okay? This is a familiar story. And this is Jesus' heart and His concern for us. And uh, in this culture... Uh, uh, where advertising is one of the biggest uh, multi-gajillion dollar businesses, we need to hear this story fresh so we aren't fooled. Jesus tells the story. He, In fact, he was a master of storytelling. And, and this one is called The Rich Fool. You may have heard it before, but listen to it again. Someone in the crowd said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide our father's inheritance with me. So Jesus said, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to everyone, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with those who store up things for themselves but are not rich toward God. Jesus is saying, don't be fooled. Don't let your life be about bigger piles for me, myself, and I. Let your life be, right, a source of freedom and blessing to others as God blesses you. You know, uh, I, this is just so vivid for me in my life. Um, you know, when Lisa and I uh, uh, drove off to seminary, um, uh, all our possessions could be contained in my Ford Pinto, uh, in her uh, uh, AMC Gremlin. I mean, picture those two cars. A Pinto and a Gremlin. And, and, one, and the smallest U-Haul you could rent. Right? Today, I don't even want to tell you what it would take to move our stuff. It's just the way it works, right? Not necessarily a bad thing. We can make all that available for God. Right? We, can, we can become givers. We can live in such a way that we're always free to release portions, even bigger portions, of what God has given us for the sake of others. These are good things. Giving is a good way of life. Right? 
be fooled. Be rich toward God. Now, uh, someone sent me a little piece uh, by another masterful storyteller. She's a Christian teacher. Her name is Tamara Lowe. And this is her contemporary rap version of the parable of the rich fool. Listen. A survivor in this amazing race with a need for speed, you need God's grace. And if you're desperate like housewives watching days of our lives, you can't cope without hope, and that's not on a soap. If you look into Oprah or Dr. Phil, you can shop nonstop or pop a pill, but the void won't fill and the pain won't kill till you love the one that hung on the hill. Kick him back in your lazy boy easy chair, watching who wants to be a millionaire. Nah, you're not going to find it there. No American Idol or council tribal has a final answer that'll satisfy you. CSI ain't got a clue. SVU don't know what to do. Not the ER or the OC, nothing on a CDTV. DVD or MP3 can save you and me. CNN's got no good news. Here's the headline. You must choose. It's not a simple life, Paris Hilton. It's treading on thin ice living in sin. You can be an apprentice for Donald Trump or eat Fear Factor fast food from a dump. You can be a heavy hitter, a Wheel of Fortune winner, a Fox News no spin spinner, a flat out sinner. But you better check this life that you're living and make sure your sins are forgiven. I bet you 50 cent. Elvis Dunn came and went. And eventually every black eyed peak went Stefani P. Diddy and Brittany. Every wannabe on MTV with the icy bling. Every Dixie chick that sings. They all gonna see the King of Kings. I don't care if you're J-Lo or Leno or Bono. One thing you gotta know, someday you're gonna die, bro. Then where are you gonna go? Hey, I'm not talking some punk junk that's irrelevant like a grandma's church from way back when. It's not some preacher feature on TV and that you need to be liking or listening. The real superstar is Jesus Christ. He's the way. He's the truth and the life. One day he's gonna split the sky. He's the brightest light and the highest high. So what I came to say and what I'm telling you is don't buy that stupid stuff they be selling you. It's all designed to fill your head and waste your space until you're dead. Here's the bottom line of my rhyme. Give your life to God while there's still time. Is that amazing? Here's the good news today. We have time. We have today to give our hearts to Him, to give our trust and our faith, to place our hopes in Him. He is ready to give and open up the gates of heaven for us. Right? And He invites us into a life set free to live for Him, to give for Him, today and always. And He is worthy. Let's pray. Loving God, every day, every single day, is a second chance, a fresh opportunity to say yes to Your love and grace, Your forgiveness and Your goodness through faith in Jesus Christ. And each and every day is an opportunity to take the resources that you have placed in our hands and make them available in the simplest of ways to the people of this world you love so dearly. And loving God, you promise that when we do, you will not only multiply the blessings in our lives, you will multiply the blessings in the lives of others. So, loving God, help us to live for Jesus, all for Jesus.